triple. Welcome to my first time. Yeah, welcome. It's, what is this? Uh, December 1st? Yeah, it's December 1st. Episode 17. Yes. Oh, uh-huh. I love that. If you don't count the unaired episode, which someday we'll unearth and edit. The live one. Yeah, the, the live first one. one. Yeah. And this is a very special holiday, Smith, Smith, and Smith exclusive. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm Mary Jo Smith. I'm Colleen Smith. And I'm Ian Smith. Some relations. They're related. <laughs> We're not related. Um, this is our first time without a guest. Yes. Um, but the theme is the first time I was scared out of my mind. Yeah. Scared. Shitless. Really Let's just scared. say it. Scared shitless. <laughs> um, we thought of this theme <laughs> <laughs> because of the election. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, many people are very terrified about the, our future, but we have one more month, right? A, a month two. And, two months, and a possible electoral college <laughs> historic upset that might change everything for You're us. Right, and we figured we could sit around and talk about how scared we are about the election results, or we could just tell some really fun stories about being scared. Which is way more fun. Way more fun. Uh, go to change.org and sign a bunch of protests. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, yeah, or, what do you call them? Get the senator elected in Louisiana. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so I'm going to start. Oh, good. So mine is actually, it's twofold. It's scared shitless and also holiday themed. Okay. Which is not a requirement, uh, but I, mine just happens to also be holiday themed. So um, for those of you who have been listening to this podcast, you are aware of The Other House. Yes. For those of you who are not, I'll give you a brief summary. Um, my parents bought this house that some architect built. It's a normal house, but just separated into three separate homes. Um, my parents decided they didn't want their kids sleeping in a, you know, separated by two homes or whatever. Combined two of the houses into one big house. But the room, the houses, the house that would have the rooms that were basically like the office, the guest room, and the family room were still a separate house. So we called that the other house because we've created... They were very wealthy. Don't, don't believe anything they tell you. Uh, um, we did, but you also need to know this, which makes us sound wealthier. We lived at the very top of a mountain uh, in a valley in Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah, but they had no money, so believe everything they tell you. <laughs> the ocean view is partially obscured. Yeah. <laughs> it actually was not at all. By Diamond Head is what obscured the ocean head view. Ocean head view. Ocean view. So... It's um, a couple of days after Christmas, and it's been raining for four days straight. Uh, I mean, like... New Year's. New Year's Eve. It was New Year's, New Year's Eve? Yeah, it was okay. the flood of New Year's. Uh, Ian was obviously part of this story, and I told him he could correct me as we went, and you've just and ruined already a started. giant thing in it. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you, Ian. So, uh, it's been raining for four days straight, and uh, Ian and I are in the other house, and we're watching a um, Friday the 13th movie. I believe it's Friday the 13th Part Four? Six. Six. Um, and it, he's on one couch and I'm on another couch. And um, we're just watching this movie. Is it at night? It's at night. Okay. It's at night. It's raining cats and dogs outside. Um, and I believe we had just watched Hoosiers as well. <laughs> I don't remember the Hoosiers part. It has nothing to do with the tone. It's dark, a stormy night, and we're watching Friday the 13th, part six. It's in the camp, Camp Crystal Lake, classic Friday the 13th, uh, you know, visuals. And Jason is walking up, soaking wet through mud to the door of one of the cabins or something like that, or the house. And um, there's, you see like water and muddy water seeping underneath the door. 
when all of a sudden the door to the other house starts shaking. And Ian and I both turn and we're like, and it's like someone's outside pounding on the door and it's shaking. Vibrating in its own thing. Yeah. And we're t- terrified. Ian, I mean, to How me, old are you? Uh, I would have been, Patches was still alive, so I would have been like nine. Oh, you're okay. You're a little kid. You're we're okay. little. Yeah. All right. At the oldest, I'm nine. At the, if even, yeah. Yeah. I might have even been eight, which means Ian would have been like 11. Okay. Or 11 so or So you're kids. Yeah. So we're yeah. little kids watching this. And because, of course, we were always left unsupervised watching terrifying movies. And the door shaking, mud is seeping in from under the door. Just like on the movie. Yeah, literally what's happening on the movie is happening to us. We're isolated in the other house. And um, we're like, what? And I swear to God, the couch Ian was on was 10 feet away. I'm sure it wasn't. But in my mind, Ian leapt 10 feet from that couch to my couch. For both of us to huddle and be like, what's happening? And then all of a sudden. No, no, no. The mud also, st- I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Yes, because. The mud starts spitting through the side crack of the door and oh. working its way up. You know what Jesus. I mean? It's like 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 you would envision in a, in a film where the blood is coming. And yeah, it's like, like in The Shining. Like Evil yeah, Dead yeah. 2. It was doing that, working its way up the crack and spewing into the room across the door. Jesus. So this is all happening. Ian's leapt eight feet or 40 feet to get to me. And there are these windows that are about, uh, you know, face height that run along next to the door. And my mother's face <gasps> appears in the window, banging on the window, going, let me in! Oh my God! Let me in! And we're both like, ah! like screaming, terrified. And I think we paused because she, I know she said it at least three or four times before either one of us moved to do anything. And then finally, Ian just went over and open the door, and then all this mud just came. Like two feet of mud and river water. Wow. All just in. And my mom goes waiting, and we're like, what's happening? And what happened was, after four days of raining, we lived at the top of the mountain, but there's also, like, you know, uninhabitable mountains right. above us. There had been this massive mudslide, and all that mud came down. And the way our house was built, we were built... Um, down the hill as opposed to up the hill. So it came down our driveway, down our front stairs. My sister had been walking our neighbors home because they'd been over for New Year's Eve. And the mudslide came down and like knocked them down. Wow. Came into our the main house, knocked the Christmas tree onto Patches, our dog, flooded this house. And so the whole house is just flooded <sighs> with mud. And your mom probably thought you were about to be swept away. Yeah. Or I don't well, know. I'm surprised she didn't because there was about three feet of running water in between the two houses. Wow. In yeah. Two structures. So she's just terrified. I'm sure that's she was absolutely terrified because she's like, my children are in that other yeah. house and so much mud just came into this house. Um, I don't remember much more of that night other than being incredibly concerned about that Patches got hit by the tree and being like, what happened to Patches? Is Patches okay? But then the next morning when the rain finally stopped... And we came out, our pool, which was at its deepest... I believe we spent that night... Upstairs? Upstairs. And my room and our our older sister, Heather, we had the top floor of an addition to the house. And it was the only thing that didn't get flooded. Uh Yeah, it was the only place we could... I think we all slept up there, all six of us, basically. And then the next morning, the pool, which I think at its deepest was six or seven feet, was filled to the brim with mud. Wow. And... The real nightmare for my parents is when you live on top of a mountain, you don't get flood insurance. So none of this was paid for at all. So it basically, I mean, it financially ruined them. I mean, it's a big changing point in our, because our 
the house was very pretty. We had this like waterfall thing. It was like ponds that connected. The mud destroyed that. We had a pretty normal backyard of just kind of local Hawaiian plants. That got destroyed, uh, all this, all these weeds from these like really insidious weeds called halicoas, which are these like really ratty trees that have seed pods that spread like wildfire. They're the trees uh, that planted. line Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, they, they came down and destroyed everything we had and then just filled our backyard with all of that. They ruined all these pipes. My, they knocked out the walls in my parents' bedroom, which was the lowest point in the house. And the, the mud was like dry and caked up to like four feet high. Just everything ruined and destroyed. Uh, the nightmare for my older sister was that, which is actually very lovely, is that a lot of people from the neighborhood and from like the local swim team and all that kind of stuff came and just dug us out of our house wow. and fed us and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the, the four cutest boys, I mean, <laughs> I recently saw a picture of these boys. They were swimmers, like really good swimmers. Um and they were probably about 17 or 18, and they were in our house cleaning our house, and her siblings are around, and, like, her parents are around, and these, like, dreamboats. I mean, all of them, and all of their names were, like, Kai and and Mowat. Not Mowat. That would be your Ty point. Robinson was one. Something like that. And they I were all just, like, Robinson. gorgeous. Like, you know, like, mixed local boys, and then, like, bleach blonde white boys. Like, every just... A, a Benetton ad of hot surfer right. guys who were there, like, cleaning up our house. Um, so that was Heather's nightmare. <laughs> and then I think our neighbor's nightmare was uh, they were such pristine, clean people, and they had to, like, put – they loved us. We were friends with them for years, but they had to put up um, the Smith kids, who are not the cleanest human beings on the planet. <laughs> but ultimately, um, you know, we recovered. We got it back. But that, to me, is it, it was a, you know, a – a Christmas or New Year's Eve themed horror show. It would be interesting to hear your mom's perspective on this. Like, yeah, that she the moment that she realized that two of her children were in the other house and that the mountain was falling down, and that she made the decision to go out into that and get us and get you, and that then you morons wouldn't get like wouldn't move when she's <laughs> banging on the window to let her in because she has no idea that you're terrified from a movie in that moment. But the timing is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it was like mud seeping, mud seeping. I mean, I it's the first time because I remember I went and saw the Blair Witch Project with my older sister, and this was before you knew whether it was a real. Movie or not. Like, of course right, it's not right, a real right, movie, right. but you never really knew. Right. And in that moment. And we went and saw it, and I was scared out of my mind seeing it. And my older sister's like, it doesn't really scare me. And I'm like, well, I know it's not real, but it's still scary. And she's like, what scared me was the idea that they're lost in the woods. She's a very, like, she's scared practical, of practical things. Me too. And for me, in genuine life, um, I'm, I'm aware that something is a superstition and not real, and I can kind of talk myself out of it. Or even if I'm scared of it and I know it's a superstition – my brain is aware that it's a superstition or it's fake. That was one of, the, I think, the only time in my life where I went, oh, my God, this might be real. Like, it actually shattered some part of my brain for half a second because it was happening and then it was happening. And I, the concept of a flood, even if I, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't a homeowner. I didn't buy homeowner's insurance, but it's just you don't think of a flood ever. Right, right. So it just made zero sense. And it really, well, it broke my mind. <laughs> and I've never recovered. The end. The end. <laughs> Let us hearken back. <laughs> 1996. I'm 20 years old, and we were hanging out at Kaiser High School after oh, this hours. Story. 
a group a group of us friends are are you know classmates seniors and juniors that have all graduated then we hang out at the school because it's the only place that cops can't find you until they come chase you out we've gone through this in prior uh yes prior stories that's all right so it's probably about midnight we're in the covered alcove of the cat room in the shadows there's no sodium lamps lighting us we're we're hidden in dark smoking our bongs passing it around smoking joints we are high but <laughs> what happens is the you know and it's quiet out there uh and there's about four or five of us, and not everybody was stoned either. Uh, Brian Akizaki did not do drugs. And Brian, I believe, was there. I won't swear to it, but we're sitting around, and all of a sudden, um, these moths start showing up. And we're not in a light area where they would come, but all of a sudden, we're, there's bugs kind of attacking our faces, and we're like, that's kind of weird. And then we hear this sound, and it's this sort of... Like the the it's cross uh, electronic noise with a group of like a swarm of crickets or something like that. But there's this weird droning electronic screaming sound that starts coming from the back corner of the A and C building, and the A and C building is reputed to be haunted. Ooh. <laughs> People have died in the uh, in the stairway shafts, I guess, when they made the building. Uh. That's that was the legend, anyway. And so there's an open courtyard lit by moonlight and, you know, various lamps and stuff like that between the cat room, which faces the A and C building. CAT stands for Communications, Art, and Technology. Thank you. Yes, I never had a class there. <laughs> and I am the most tech guy at post to high school. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we're sitting there in the dark, smoking our bongs, passing it around, chilling out, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, just business as usual. The moths start showing up. It seems a little bit weird. And this noise starts droning off in the background, and we're all like, "What? What is that? Like, you know, what that? That's unusual. It doesn't belong. This is very peculiar. This sound, and and this is sort of that same where this where the where the, the hairs in the back of your neck yeah. go up just a touch, and you're like, "There's something fucked up about this." And then the sound starts moving closer. You can you can sense that the you know it's getting louder. It's moving closer. And uh, the intensity of the bugs picks up at this point. It's we're now in like a kind of a. It's becoming a cloud of bugs swarming around us. We're like we all start looking at it. You can just kind of make eye contact in the dark. There's enough light to see each other's faces, and we all just start looking at each other. The sound starts actively moving closer and closer towards us, and without saying a word, the four of us, five of us, however many there were look at each other and get up and start walking. And as soon as we start walking, the sound escalates in its approach. It comes very quickly, loud and screaming, and takes over. There's no other sound to be heard. There is just this loud, electronic, screaming, droning mess of madness coming at us and starting to engulf us. you can't us. see anything. You can't see anything. There's nothing to be seen. And the four of us get up, Almost like somebody picked us up from the back of your shoulders and start running. And we, we run, and this sound all of a sudden is nipping at the back of your ears. Like it's screaming into your earlobes, and you're running, you know, like fires licking, licking the back. It's very Stephen Kingy. Yeah. <laughs> it, was the, it was the scariest, weirdest thing. And like you're saying, it's, it's that moment where reality has a tear in it, and you're like, 
you know, everything I've known and believed to be true could potentially be tossed out the window. Yeah. Yeah. And we run about, I would say, 100 yards, just full, just full force. And as we go, the sound sort of starts dying off like it stopped. We hit the cafeteria and the cafeteria is kind of up a little hill and has a straightaway as you run along it. And as we got sort of almost to the end of the cafeteria, the thing is has stopped. It stopped, like, say, at the beginning of the cafeteria. And you can feel your mind piecing reality back together, dismissing it. It didn't happen. Didn't happen. Right. And you're just and you run, we're out of breath at this point. So everybody's kind of slowed down. I think our buddy Steve just kept going. <laughs> and, and Clint and I were at the back of the group of people. And we both sort of slowed down and started walking and sort of take a big breath and continue walking. But it was like, oh, that was a weird whatever. My, I'm squashing it down into the back compartment of my brain like it never, ever happened. And, uh, and Clint and I turn and we look at each other. And uh, I start a sentence. And I was like, do you ever get the feeling? And he says that something's following you. And right at that moment, there it was, full force in our ears. <laughs> Whatever that fucking sound was, was there. Hot and heavy right on top of us. And we sque- screamed and ran. And we took off. And we did not come back to Kaiser for quite a long time after that. <laughs> so you never and found out what it we was? We never found out what it was. you know. And in some remote corner of my brain, it's like it was a swarm of locusts that came. And that was their noise. But... It was not a swarm of locusts. You never saw anything. <laughs> no, no. I mean, there's the only the only thing would be like, oh, there were bugs. Why were there bugs? Maybe the moths made that sound, but uh, it made no sense ever. And we, it was one of those things like we touched on it again a, a year later, or a couple of years later. Like, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. No, let's not talk about it. And we, it took us months, I think, before we finally went back to Kaiser and, and hung out and did stuff again. But it was always like this. This weird break in reality. Nobody ever knew what it was. Wow. And you uh, never discussed it that night. You know, some things when it when it breaks through reality on that level, it's like it's better not discussed. Like you just leave it alone. <laughs> it's it's kind of like if you believe in monsters, they can get you. It's such if a you... repressed like boy response to a horror show. Is like. Well, let's all just get in our cars and uh, drive away. <laughs> I also, I want, I, I know That's that, pretty much what it is, because we had to run out of the school and run back to our cars. My favorite and, part, too, is this is like pothead Ian, who uh, uh, never exercised. Is this like super skinny, like wasting away, Ian? No. Uh, this is post, post-appendectomy, so I probably am... am but there's like, something, too, about like when you're young, particularly when you're young, but like when you get scared... And and logic starts to kick back in and go, it was nothing. And then you start to feel like an, an idiot. So yeah. you don't want to talk about it because you feel like an asshole. Like, what did I, I just, yeah, I just right. reacted to nothing, even though it was something. But like, there's that part of you that kicks in like, I don't want to talk about this. Well, there's also the <laughs> defense mechanism of like, if I think about it, I'm I scared open that again. door. Yeah. Like, if, if that was something, right? If, let's say, far-fetched it was It's coming for you something. right now. Yeah. Right. It somehow ripped its hole through our reality, which is protected and safe and, you know, compartmentalized and we know the rules. So however it found its way through that, you don't want to let it back through again. So you just don't acknowledge it. You don't think about it. You just put it away because if you start to think it. And it was like that moment where Clint and I were walking and it was that. 
do you ever feel like and we were I mean we made eye contact it was on the same page and 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 everything up my my neck like it heated up like I felt a burn on my ears the noise was as close or closer than it had been prior to and it was Ugh. in my ear like daggers and it was the most fucked up thing That's that so has creepy. ever happened to me and it was there's no explanation and if I can't explain it then just put it away you know save it for <laughs> another life <laughs> Um, I was going to say that it, uh, the distance that you guys sprinted was not that far. Is not that far. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to not visualize them. Like for me, yeah, to me, having not knowing the geography, I'm imagining. We probably like, went about run for like a quarter mile. 40 no, yards. No. 40 yards. Like, not, I mean, there were some hills involved, but no, it's not like mild, gentle hills. But like, <laughs> they did not sprint like miles. Um, but I will say what you were saying, and I and I realized you were both correct and I was incorrect, um, at least in terms of how I think I would handle something versus how you guys would handle something. But I do think you'd mentioned it's like a Stephen King story. And I feel like he addresses that a lot. Like in It, the kids that will address what they've seen versus the kids that won't. Right. Or in Salem's Lot, there's a great section where the vampire visits... Sorry to ruin it for you guys. Uh, but the vampire visits this little boy, and because he's a little boy and he works in the way little kids work with fear, where it's constant, right. you know, and, and you're terrified of the most terrible things, not mortgages or divorce, you're terrified of like it absolute monsters on under fear. the bed. Yeah, yeah, that you can handle it better than an adult. Right. And that two seconds later, he can go to sleep. Right. Like he can dismiss it the way a kid would dismiss anything. You're more in the moment, and then yeah. it's over. So I, I could see that being a thing of, you know, just being like, all right, well, now we've moved on. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Um, How do you process something like that? You, you can't. I guess you could bring back ghost hunters and... You'd be, you'd be an insane person. Like, remember that? Like, and this happens and there's things. And you know, I, so I don't have time for that shit. No one no, wants to hang out with you. Yeah. He keeps talking about the <laughs> bug infestation. Well, that's it. That was it. Yeah. The end. Good start. Um, it's funny because I I had I got the shit scared out of me by Friday the Thirteenth also and I and I did I absolutely have a couple of scary movie stories but I I'm not going to tell those stories and I I will say this like I am somebody who lives in fear most of the time anyway um, and there's a particular time of day like I get really scared at dusk um, I get really on edge and uneasy at dusk especially if I'm in a like if I'm driving in a town that I'm not familiar with. I get mm-hmm. really uncomfortable and scared. And it's um, it's it's very constant. It's been that way my entire life. Dusk makes me really uncomfortable, like something bad is about to happen, and I get really, like, I have to be distracted. And that has nothing to do with the story I'm about to tell. Do you know why dusk makes you uncomfortable? I'm not sure. Um, it's the anticipation of when I was a kid and we used to we lived in a school bus for a long time and we traveled around for a couple of years we were very mobile um, and I did get left a couple of times um, just forgotten um, my family drove away and was like oh we're missing a kid we got to go back um, that has happened to me um, but I used to you know when riding in the bus and looking out the window and I just had this sense of how vast everything was like how big the world was mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and I was probably like six or seven and just looking out the window and thinking, what would I do if I found myself here and didn't like, where would I go? And what house would I knock on? And who's behind the door? And would they help me? Would they be nice to me? Would they be mean to me? Would they let me in? Would I ever see my family again? And I would get really freaked out. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know, like there, there isn't one incident that I can tell you that, um, started that dusk. Um, it's uneasiness. It's very, it, I just, I'm very uneasy. Like something's about to happen and it's not good. And it, ha it's every day at dusk. So that's nice. Wow. Okay. So here's my story. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my story. So I'll set the scene. Um, I was living in Ojai. Um, we were living in a community, so many families living on one property under one roof. And in addition to the big sprawling ranch house, um, which is now owned by Bill Paxton, oh. um, there were a bunch of separate outbuildings of different kinds. We had uh, three teepees, and we had a yurt, and we had this little shed room thing, and we had an old van that had been converted into like a little sleeping area. We had a barn, and we had a little vintage trailer that was parked way down at the bottom of the property and um the house is in the east end of Ohio, so it's sort of up on a hill it's got beautiful views of the valley and if you're standing at the um, like where the front door of the house is there's like this big patio and if you sort of look to your left you can look down the property and you can see the teepees you can see all of these outbuildings it's kind of slopey and it's really a beautiful piece of property and and there's a gravel path and there's um uh, a few steps down to this gravel path and then the gravel path splits off and goes to this cabin and it goes to a teepee and it goes to this little trailer and at one time the little trailer had been my sleeping space like and we rotated around a lot but um, it had been my sleeping space and then I had moved into another room that was a part of the converted gar uh, garage off the house um, and my room was um, didn't wasn't connected you had to leave the house to get into my bedroom so it was totally separate entrance it was just my room as was off the back of the garage but you had the only way in was through one door and you had to be from the outside um so I had moved into that room and my young my sister who's two years younger than me had taken over the trailer she was really excited to take over the trailer and how old are you I was uh 15 okay. and my sister was 13 and um the uh, the trailer, it was one of those cute, like, towing trailers, you know, like, kind of rounded. Yeah, I know. Almost looks like a Volkswagen bug in shape. Yeah. Right? It's just round. It's really cute. And it's rounded. And it was it was literally like a 50s, maybe. Made of metal and everything. Made of metal and then cabinets on the inside. And it had that beautiful trailery smell that was so great. And it had the built-in bed. And it was just a cool trailer. I loved it when I lived in it. I don't know why I gave it up. Um, but I gave it up. I gave it to my sister. Um and, um, so, and it was, it would get really cold. Like, Ojai is kind of deserty, and, um, in, in, and at night it gets really, really cold. Um, and there was no, the only way, we had an extension cord that ran to the trailer for electricity, but it wasn't connected to anything. And, um, we had, um, like a space heater, I think, to stay warm. Like it just was, and it was completely unsafe, like completely unsafe in that way. 
Uh, not to mention the fact that it's in the middle of nowhere and it's just sitting on a dark piece of property at night with a little girl sleeping in there. Like, yeah, but it could have like come connected houses because they right. didn't want to separate from them. And I'm like, oh, someone was in a tiny trailer alone in the darkness. Right. And I had lived in that trailer for like a year, year and a half, and I loved it. But I'd certainly been scared in that trailer many, many times. Like you sleeping in there and you hear things rustling around in the orchards and you're like, yeah. what is that? It's probably a possum, but what the hell? Anyway, um... I'm asleep. It's the middle of the night, and I hear my mother screaming, like bloody murder screaming. And I hear like there's commotion. I can tell like there's panic. There's panic afoot. Um, and I jump out of my bed and I pull open the door to my bedroom, and right out the, the door of my bedroom is the top of those little stairs that would lead down to that gravel path from where you could see the trailer. My mother is standing at the top of the stairs and she's screaming my sister's name, Jenny! And I look over and the trailer is in flames. It is a fireball. It is a giant fireball with from which no one could possibly escape. And my mother is screaming, like guttural, primal, terror, screaming her daughter's name at the top of her lungs. It's three o'clock in the morning. And people are coming out of the house and people are like, what's happening? And call 911 and blah, blah, And somebody's grabbing a hose and it's total pandemonium. And I remember running um, and getting rocks in my feet and, and, and thinking like, there's nothing like, what can I possibly do? And it was just this big fireball and so terrified and hearing my mother screaming and screaming and screaming. And it went on for so long. Jenny! And all of a sudden we hear my sister Jenny say, What? <gasps> oh, she's mad. And like, it was like the whole world, everybody looked to their right. Like, you could just, like, everything just switched to the right to see my sister coming out of the teepee. This is how we found out my sister was no longer a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> Two things. Hello! My sister at comes 13? out of the teepee at 13 oh, with her, with the guy that she was in the teepee with, who was, you know, 14. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say 40. No, no, no. It, was, no it, was not, it wasn't creepy. Or he was 15, maybe. Um, and, uh, and, and in that, and then like that moment of like where life resets, it's like all of that fear is sucked out, but they're like, where does it go? Like you're left sort of empty. You're like, you feel that vacuum of like, <gasps> okay, we're not. She's not dead. We're not afraid. There's still a fire happening. We got to put that out, whatever. But like, <gasps> um, and the fire, apparently the space heater had been left on and, and whatever. But had she been in there, she would absolutely have died. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Jenny wrapped in a blanket standing in the entrance of a teepee at three o'clock in the morning. And my mother, I've never seen a human being turn emotionally so fast from like abject terror to I'm gonna fucking kill you like it was just this like flip of a switch of my mother who just went from like having literally no muscle tone in her body because she was just collapsed with fear to rage <laughs> with like crazy strength I'm like I'm gonna fucking kill you um she's like those inflatable things in front of car yes, like crazy like <laughs> arms waving about um and then, like, you know, you don't go back to sleep after that. Like, it's just everybody's up. And then the fire department came, and it all got put out and whatever. And then my sister, who was like... And then, my, to my mom's credit, like, she kind of backed off my sister right away. Like, she was alive, and that was what mattered. And she wasn't going to give her a hard time for... <laughs> 
lose her virginity in the teepee with the 15-year-old. <laughs> I can't. It was a fireball, too. Like, I'll never, I'll never forget that image of just this huge ball of fire Those at the end. Those things are like tendling waiting to go up. Totally. And and I had lived in that thing. I had lived in that thing for a year. And so I knew, like, I knew that if you're in the bed, there's no way out. Like, there's there's that little slidey window over the bed in the back, that little metal slidey window that those trailers have. But the door is the door is the door, and that's it. And if knowing where that space heater was, if she had woken up and that fire had been started as much as I think it probably was, she would not have made it out of that trailer. But she did, Uh and Trump is going to be president. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't. It's so weird. I last night I had two crazy dreams. One where my sister Jennifer, my Jenny, but would be mad if I ever called her Jen, um, died, and I woke up in that like horrible heart pain. Like I felt like someone stabbed me in the chest. And people have asked me this. I was not drinking. I did not have food late. It was not heartburn. I just had a horrible, horrible nightmare. That caused a violent, like physical, physical reaction. reaction, and I woke from it with like, <laughs> and it was so horrible. And I was like, but it, I had that moment of like, well, it's not everything in your body says it's real. But yes, you're awake in your room, and it's not real. So you did you go, get up to check on her? No, because I knew it was just a dream, right. and I went back to sleep, and then had another one in which <laughs> Jennifer was aiding. A, like a weird evil cult. No, it was more like a kind of a, a true detective-ish kind of killer murdering me in the second dream. And I was running away from them and I was just getting away and woke up saying, with, but now it was, it one was horrible grief and terror and the other one was just terror. And they both, I woke up with like a horrible heart pain, not heartburn, heart pain of just absolute terror. And I don't know what happened last night, but that idea of like, just that felt so crazy, and it's been all—I've been so weird today. The idea of actually doing that, like, I wonder for your mother. I'd be so the way that I want to hear my mom's side of this. I want to hear yeah, your mom's yeah, side yeah. of like, she for at least what like a minute, her daughter was dead, right, in a horrible fiery death, like. Some part Not of that her, any death is great for a kid, yeah. but like Some to think that her, your child burned to death in a little trailer alone at the end of a dark property yeah. Yeah. in the middle of the night. Yeah. Some part of clicked that you over. put her in. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't. I mean, I wonder if any, if, if like, if like there are 80 parts of you did like 79 click back and like one is still clicked over to like Jenny's dead. Uh huh. And that sort of just lives there. Yeah. I'll have to broke. ask her. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll post a. Yeah, I'll ask. I'll, I'll, I'll put. Yeah, let's post a little. Let's follow up with our mother. Let's follow up with members of the story to and see. You should follow. You, you should follow up with uh, any of those guys. Clint and Brian were Facebook friends. So yeah, I'm ask them. them. It'd be interesting to post little um, follow ups to these yeah. when we post the podcast. Was Brian the sober one? Yeah, but you know what? I don't think he was there. I think it was Sebastian, Steve, Clint, and myself. I think it was the casting crew. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask a question of the group because I was thinking about your dusk thing and because we have extra time because there's only three of us. Okay. I get the dusk thing, by the way. I think there's, it's like, it's almost a heart, it, like we're talking about Stephen King, it's like a Neil Gaiman kind of thing where it's like, 
the two realities cross blend and in that moment something could come through it and everything could fall apart and you could get sucked into the void or something yeah. like that like it's the ending of one thing and the beginning of yeah. the unknown it's and- absolutely a cr- it's a bridge so my question is because i was thinking about the dusk thing which uh ian had mentioned he understood but i was thinking about mirjo when you were saying I had said, is there a source from childhood? And you're like, no, I think, but then there kind of was, but there kind of wasn't. Yeah. And I was thinking of something that was a really big fear of mine that I I think happened post. Yeah, it had to have happened post, but I, the, <laughs> the uh, Friday the 13th slash New Year's Eve debacle. But something that is, a, a, I think, a fear of mine um, that happened from childhood that still kind of exists, not on a daily dusk basis, but definitely something that happens to me, which is, and then I was going to ask you guys for your thing, because mine is, <clears throat> I remember I read these books called The Fog, The Snow, and The Fire. They're uh, YA uh, horror books. Usually mm-hmm. they were Point was like the publisher of these things. R.L. Stein is a big deal in this. Caroline Cooney is another person. And uh, Christopher Pike. These are big writers of this genre. And Christopher Pike wrote, like, YA and then Slightly Younger, which was Fear Street. YA, that's young adult. Yeah. <laughs> and Arnold Stein wrote all the gamut, like, you know, from Goosebumps and, and right. something even younger. Than, no, it was Goosebumps and then it was... No, I'm sorry, Christopher Pike wrote Fear Street. No, I'm losing my mind. Arnold Stein wrote Fear Street. So it was Goosebumps to Fear Street to his real things. Christopher Pike just wrote Christopher Pike things. So... Uh, but The Fog, The Snow, and The Fire were these books Carolyn B. Cooney or Carolyn Cooney wrote. And they were about this girl who was a, a townie in a um, tiny island. That's what you are if you live in the town, right? You're a townie? Yeah. And and she was off the coast of uh, Maine or something like that. And she gets sent to the school on the mainland. And slowly the people that she's living with are driving her insane. And she... Keeps telling her parents they're trying to drive me insane. There's a conspiracy. There's all this stuff. All, all this, you know, weird stuff is happening. You know, if it's supernatural or normal. And over the course of three books that read like epic novels when you're, I don't know, 12 or 13, she is constantly trying to convince her parents that she's not insane. So by the end of the second, the first and the second novel, this has not been resolved. You have to wait for three novels for you to finally, like somebody to believe her. And I remember halfway through the second the second novel or finishing the second novel i had a what i would think is like an actual breakdown of sobbing and losing my mind and i went to my mother and she was like what's happening we were in the other house in her office (laughs) and she's like why are you sobbing and i was like i need you to promise me that if i tell you something no matter how crazy it is you'll believe me uh, I need, and she's like, what is going on? Like what? And I'm like, nothing, nothing's actually happening <laughs> in my actual life, but I'm reading this book and no one believes her and they all think she's crazy. And what she's saying makes sense if you listen to her, but no one's listening to her and they all think she's crazy and they're taking the adult side and it, it's making me crazy. Like it's reading it is making me crazy. Like I realize this came back and revisited us. <laughs> okay, so you'll tell me that this is true because I feel like I don't know if this book planted that in me or if I have a genuine fear of someone telling you you're crazy and being like, I'm not crazy. I'm not overreacting. I'm not being hysterical and nuts. 
this is true, this did happen. And that I think that's a fear I have. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid A, of being insane, but I'm also afraid of someone dis, and not necessarily terrified, but I, it, it creates an emotional reaction in me that's disproportionate to what's happening. Like, I should be able to go like, if you don't believe me, that's fine. Right. But I get like, Well, yes. I remember when our Aunt Anne went into the hospital for being a crazy Oh, yes, we had a, that was another, actually, that's probably our... That's exactly what happened. You had an aunt who was hospitalized? She was hospitalized, and I'm not entirely sure how she went. She showed up at our cousin's house in Orange County. She had a wig that she'd worn for years because she lost her hair taking diet pills. Conspiracy theory, like, craziness at the door. Like, she showed up in the middle of the night. And uh, we didn't get the call until she was already sort of locked up at a... I don't know if it was a county hospital or what, but she was... Yeah, it was not a nice... She was at a hospital and we got a call like she's down there, you know, come visit her kind of thing. And we go to visit her and she's had a psychotic break. And we go into the room and she's Aunt Anne. You know, it's not like she's drooling or doing whatever. She's Aunt Anne. But then she would pull us in close and tell us how they were like molesting her and doing things to her. And your immediate reaction is, oh my God, I got to take care of you. Like, what the fuck is going on? And I, I forget at what point it, it started to build to a conspiracy thing where you're like, something's not right with what you're telling me, you know? Right. But it had started, it was so weird because she was smart enough to to play it like, hey, good to see you. And we're like, oh, okay. She's right, right, right. Everything's normal. And then we sat down and then she was like, they're trying to give it And then I was like, okay. And I sat back and she was looking at me and I thought, She's looking at me like I just told her there there's danger. There's danger here right. and she's going so we're going to try to figure like I just told her the problem and why isn't she doing something about we it? We were the monsters right. who were not believing her. Yeah. There there is something that is something that I've experienced too the the <clears throat> one of the times that I've really experienced that kind of fear. I had a friend who sl- um s- slipped into schizophrenia. Um, and he went from being like just a normal guy, young guy, really funny, one of my dearest friends, and I just loved him so much. And he he started to get paranoid, and he you know he became schizophrenic. And um, I remember being scared, so scared, because I'd gotten a call from his mother who was like, "If you deny or question." what he tells you then you become part of the conspiracy so but if you play along you're enabling you're enabling <clears throat> and i wanted to be there for him and i was young and i, and I was so afraid he was going to kill himself and and um i didn't i didn't know how to handle him and i was like 20 i want to say i was like 23 or something you know it was young enough that i I had never ex- dealt with mental illness before on, on such a personal level at that level. Because he would call me up in the middle of the night and say, like, I don't know where I am. I'm in a payphone. There's a Snapple truck following me. And they want to kill me. And it would be raining. And, like, you know, you could hear rain and traffic. And you're like, where are you? I don't know. I'm somewhere in New Jersey. Like, you would not. It was so crazy. and But so scary. And he believed it so completely and I just remember so many times thinking 
this is my friend. He and I are so similar. We're the same age. We, you know, we've been friends for a long time. We both did stand up. We were like comedy buddies. We wrote together all the time. Like if he could lose his mind, I could lose my mind. And he so believed what he, what he would say in those late night phone calls was so unbelievable. You know, it just seemed ridiculous, but he believed it so intently he was being followed. He'd been bugged. The FBI, the CIA, the Secret Service, you know, like they were after him. They, in order to protect his family, he was going to have to die. Like, and he believed it so intently. And I just, that was a totally different kind of fear. That fear of like, it's such a, like, you, there, what, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Like, there's nothing you can do. He is so, he's terrified. There's no validity in his fear. I can't help him. He could be me. I could lose my mind and somebody wouldn't believe me. And I, you know, and he was so alone. Yeah. And you are, if you don't help in some way, you're part of the, the thing you'd never want to be, which is the person who like. Right. And really the best help could have been to call 911 and get him committed. And this, and this would happen over and over again. His mother would call 911. He would get 72 hour hold. He'd get on his meds. He'd level out, but then the doctor, he would start to feel better, so he would start to back off the meds on his own. Mm. And that's always, that was the cycle. This went on for like a year and a half, two years. Back off the meds, and as soon as you start backing off the meds and the crazy comes back, and then any doctor that tells you to take the pill is part of the conspiracy. They're trying to drug me. They're trying to get information out of my brain. So it was just, it was constantly working again. It was cannibalizing himself with his mentality. It was like... I had just never, at that point, I had never experienced anything like that. I was terrified for him all the time. And and then the idea that that could happen to any of us, that he just went from being a completely normal, you know, just a regular fucked up kid like anybody else to schizophrenic, just batshit crazy, really fast. I mean, it happened so fast. And it started with just like, people are talking about me and I would say, nobody's talking about you. Like, don't, you know, maybe you should stop smoking weed. Like you're getting kind of paranoid. Like there's nobody talking about you. And then it would just got, it grew. And you could, you, you, like looking back, you could just see the. Yeah, the steps. The steps of it. Um, but yeah, that, that not it's, being believed and, and feeling like nobody's listening and being on the other side of that. And like, no, no, there's no Snapple truck following you. I promise you there's no Snapple truck. Following. It's right there. I can see it. Like he, it was so believable for him that that was scary in itself and then the fear of that could happen to me doubled it I, that was a really scary time so ian we have dusk we have my fog the snow and the fire story do you have anything that you think is maybe triggered from childhood or something i know i think i have a guess of something but that might be a like Something that's existed always. What deep-seated fear? Mm-hmm. But like it's. But it's... then they could use it against me. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know it's fear. <laughs> you think there's anything? Can you think of something? You don't have to be on point. We could pause and you could think about it. Being being afraid of of being uh, crazy would be a thing. Like being afraid that you have that going on in your own head. Yeah. Yeah. In the same on the same level, but. I remember when I was a kid, I, I used to fantasize that because I was a fat kid and, and hated my body and was just you know, hated where I was and what everything. And I would fantasize that I was a robot, that I was like, 
I was really a robot underneath. If you cut me open, there'd be metal. And I was just like put here. But it was a, it was a fantasy, but it was like I wanted it to be true so much because I hated my you own skin. You mean because you were a powerful machine or because you didn't feel anything? Like what was the robot representing? Yeah. That that this was temporary. That this this fat boy who couldn't fit in and, and whatever and was unwanted and unloved <laughs> by society was just like I had to go through it and I would be I would be the robot someday or whatever or, or taken away by the aliens who put me. it was just some weird like escapism fantasy right. and it was just like fuck it's not real but, oh, it's you know, really... would it be cool you know but yeah and but but there's that element that comes into your into your brain where you have so like because I have a I have a very vivid imagination I guess you would say uh that at what point when you're like 60 years old does your imagination take over and like you develop some weird mental illness well okay so what's your biggest fear just no story about it just what's your biggest fear um like like the you know illness or loss of a limb mental illness uh jennifer and ian dying yeah i don't want to lose my memory that's my biggest fear like starting to lose my ability to forget who you are yeah What's my biggest fear? So I guess my biggest fear is loneliness. Because it's it's about losing... The things closest to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I always well, think... Well, they all three relate to the same thing. Yeah. 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 They're all some way that you're isolated from the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because it's like the number one thing. Like, I mean, I literally woke up in the middle of the night with like sharp pain in my... And it was the same as... It was the equivalent pain of dying in a separate dream of my own death was my sister dying mm-hmm. yeah but I mean I remember when my dad died it was like the biggest it's actually that is the scariest thing I've ever like dealt with and I was very weirded out by the fact <sighs> that I survived <laughs> yeah I also mean my mother and my sister but I don't see them as often and they have separate lives the three of us are joined at the hip so Right. <clears throat> well, on that note, let's do our promoting. All right. Uh, well, you can find me at Mary Jo LA on Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook at Mary Jo Smith. Um, <clears throat> you can find me on Twitter at Colleen Smee, C-O-L-L-E-E-N-S-M-I. And um, you can find us on, at, which we never do. We should be better about tweeting. We should be better at tweeting. Uh, at Mary my jo. first time pod, spell out first, I know. Yeah. At my F-I-R-S-T time yes. P-O-D. And then... And then the website is at uh, is myfirsttimepodcast.net. And again, but first is spelled I out. actually think the better bet is to follow us on Facebook. Yes. Because then there are all the past pictures and guests. And bios and, and all and that. Bios yes. and all that really fun stuff. Um, Although Facebook does throttle notifications, so... That's fine. But go there because then you can see the beautiful pictures that Chick takes. Well, but of our I do guests. think we should update our website. That's, yes. That's going to make me do that. A mailing list would be the best. So, research. somebody out there who loves this and wants to help us with stuff, <laughs> message us on Twitter or Facebook and we'll, we'll make this a bigger, larger presence because there were really some incredible pictures and some. Yeah. Incredible, like, if you want, if you have questions about the show and you want to see, like, Amy Picacci's episode when we did a uh, first time, My Parents Betrayed Me. Yes. She had an incredible picture that went with that. And yes. if you want to see that picture, there's oh a lot of... Oh, my God, I forgot about that. A yeah. delightful follow-up of stuff like that. And then Ian. What better way to do, you know, spend your holiday time but listening to my first time podcast? Yeah, you guys. It's like you're ta- It's like chatting with the Smiths. It's commercial The free. American family. <laughs> 
Happy holidays. <laughs> I mean, we had ancestors on the Mayflower, if you care about that kind of thing. That's right. Blue blood. <laughs> Not really. We're filthy Irish, too. All right, Ian, tell your tale. Well, you've apparently found me already because I received notifications that I'm getting <laughs> all kinds of views on my Ian Screams page on Facebook, which I have not updated, but I promise to do so for all my loving fans out there. <laughs> Yes, the tunes keep on coming. Oh no, he has the headphones on and the microphone, so he's really in love with his voice. I've got, I've got my Leonard Nimoy voice going on today. <laughs> I am available for voiceover work. I'm currently unemployed. Ian, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, Ian screams. Yes, that's it. At Yahoo, Figure it out. I mean, at a Twitter. No, just Ian screams. That's enough. What's oh. your Twitter handle? Ian screams music, but I don't tweet. Okay, he's I on did Instagram. Tweet, I did tweet to yeah. Trump. I I tweeted twice to Trump. I told him once, you're a piece of shit, you fucker. And then I deleted it (laughs) because I was afraid. This was prior to the election. Mm -hmm. You afraid to get on his list? Pretty much. And then after the election, I I decided to be much more sensible. And I said, you're quickly on your way to becoming the most hated human being in history. Please, please, please prove us wrong. Which I thought was a very ethical way to go about. By the way, if there are any Trump fans listening, I'd love to hear from you about why you love Trump. Yes, that. please. We would totally have you. We can, prove if us If you don't wrong. live here, we do, do a call in. Um, uh, and then, uh, Ian, you're also on Instagram at? Ian Screams on Instagram. Facebook, Ian Screams Music. Twitter, Ian Screams Music. And okay. for Chick, you can find Chick at Photo. Yes. Um, he does amazing photography. He's a transgender photographer. Check him out if you need your photo taken. And, you know, I like to pitch all episodes, but first time my body betrayed me, you hear Chick's story, which is a great... There's a lot of great stories. And uh, happy holidays. And happy holidays. And I, I think our potential things coming up uh, will be delightful. Maybe dark. Maybe happy. It'll be a new year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.